Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, hey everyone, we are in the middle of a new series, well, halfway through a series called Soul Purpose. This week, we are on the third week uh, talking about this thing called the soul and how do we care for the soul. Uh, The title of my talk today is As the Deer Pants. Now, I've got a bit of a slight confession on this one, is that when I was a child, and I went to church as a child, we used to sing songs. Remember, you used to have the numbers up on the wall of the church, and you'd have these books, and you could look, and you'd find the number of the song. And we used to sing a song called, As the Deer Pants for Water, So My Soul Longs After You. And I just loved that phrase, because as a child, I thought it was hilarious that we had the word pants in the church songbook. Now, it doesn't work in America, that line, but in the UK, pants is is like, seriously, we're talking about underwear in church. It seems so inappropriate. But this is the line, uh, and I didn't know this probably as a small child, but Psalm 42, the psalmist writes these words, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants or longs for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Our soul desires God. Our soul needs God to be reconnected with the source, to be connected with the provider, to be connected with God himself. Like the deer is desperate for water to survive, so we, as people who have a soul within us, are desperate to connect with God. The one who breathed humanity into being, who gave life to the original living soul. Your soul needs to be connected to the source. God will provide all the needs your soul has. Psalm 23, probably the most famous psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. In that analogy of the, the Jesus being the shepherd, the, the father shepherd there, he's saying to his sheep, I'm going to lead you to the best place. I'll give you the best drink. I'll give you the best food. But then he says, I will restore your soul. God restores our soul. God is the one. We can't restore our own soul. We have responsibility for it, but the restoration of our soul comes through God himself. Your soul needs to be connected to the source, and that source is God himself. A healthy soul is a connected, a regularly connected soul that spends time with their father, God. When it comes to our body, We spend money, time, energy, effort in looking after our body, making sure we are healthy and fit and strong and that we look as we want to look. And and, and I know that we spend time with that, but we rarely spend money, time, energy, effort on caring for our soul. We talk about having five fruit and veg a day. We talk about walking 10,000 steps using our smartwatch. We talk about drinking two litres of water a day and everyone goes, that's great. But no one ever talks about how we care for the soul. And the soul requires care as well. Your body requires your attention and the soul requires attention too. Spiritual food is just as real as, as physical food. It's just as real. It satisfies us in a way that cannot be satisfied by anything physical. In Psalm 63, the writer King David says these words, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. 
David, we believe, was actually in the middle of a desert that time. He's being chased by his enemy, King Saul. He was hiding in caves. He would have known physical hunger. He would have known physical thirst, but he also knew spiritual thirst. And in verse five of that same Psalm, he says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with my joyful lips. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. Just like eating a great meal, our soul gets satisfied by God alone. Or in verse eight, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. There's almost this language there going, my soul thirsts for you. My soul is satisfied by you. My soul clings to you. The truth is, when we don't care for our soul, it gets neglected. Our soul gets neglected and a neglected soul is a damaged soul. Sin damages our soul. It torments us, it tortures us, it can hurt us when we sin. Sin affects us, it clings to our soul, it it makes it dirty inside. And 1 Peter 2 reminds us, it says, sinful desires are at war against your soul. Sinful desires, the nature of what your sin man said, I want to do these things and it's against the soul. There's like an internal fight that goes on. And our soul gets damaged by the things that we do and some of the things that we don't do. In Romans chapter 7, the writer Paul talks about this internal grappling that goes on. He talks about this idea about the inner self fighting with the outer self. This idea that our heart, mind, body and soul, there's this, this fight going on. That moment, you know, when you think, well, I probably shouldn't watch that. But then you flick on to watching it anyway. I probably shouldn't spend my energy and time reading that, but I do anyway. I shouldn't listen to that gossip, but I do anyway. I shouldn't eat that last cake on the plate, but I Take it anyway. And that kind of almost, what I do, I don't want to do. And what I don't do, I want to do. And it's almost like this fight that's going on with our internal being, our soul. And he says this in seven, uh, Romans seven twenty one in the message version. He says these words. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not, um, sorry, it's pretty obvious uh, that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. There's like this fight going on between our sinful nature and what the soul desires. The soul can be damaged by the things we have done the mistakes that we have made. Psalm 38 says, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Do you know that feeling? You might have that moment where you think, oh, I'm crushed. I'm anxious. I feel guilty. I'm so disappointed by the things I did that I wish I hadn't done. When a piece of art has been around for a long time, it becomes damaged. It becomes, if it's neglected, if it's not cared for, it's not stored safely, a piece of art eventually becomes dirty and neglected and damaged. And the art, the piece of art can only be made beautiful again in the hands of the restorer. And a piece of art can be taken to a restorer and they can clean off the years of mess. They can clean off all the mistakes they made. They can clean off all the neglect that's taken place and return it to its original form. But an art restorer has to guess 
what the original artist was trying to do when they painted the piece of art. They try and understand what kind of image was being created, what level do they take the paintwork back to, what brushstrokes do they reveal and what remains hidden. The best restorer of art is the original artist because they know what they were trying to create in the first place. And in the same way, God is the best restorer of the soul because he knew what he was trying to create in you in the first place. God restores our soul because he, he is our maker, he is our creator, he is the original artist. This idea of restoration of the soul is the gospel message. It's a story that says, you know what, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have reached the bar of access to heaven. And so God said, I've got a plan. It's a plan called sending my son, Jesus Christ. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. That's the story of restoration. That's the story of hope. And the creator God wants to be reconnected to his children. When Ephesians 2, we're referred to two as his masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He made us, and when he looked at what he'd made in Genesis 2, he said, this is good. I love what I've made, but he wants to restore us to full health in every aspect of our being. He wants to restore our soul. And the best person to restore our soul is our creator, God. Our God is our source, and we need to be connected to him. Now, there are some practices that we can do to help restore our soul. There are some things we can do to improve our situation. But ultimately, God is the one that brings full restoration. Here's a few thoughts for you about how you could uh, restore your soul. Confession. Confession is good for the soul. You might have heard that phrase. Confession is good for the soul. When you hold on to sin, it damages you. It's a bit like when you've been poisoned. When you've been poisoned, you need to get the poison out of your body. You don't want to hold it in. And yet so often we make mistakes, we do wrong things, and we hold it in. And we don't confess. We don't give it to God. And all the time we're holding it, it's poisoning our soul. Confession is good for the soul. Confess to God, it will bring you forgiveness, says 1 John 9. Confess to others, it will bring you healing, says James 5, 16. Confess your problems to God and it will bring freedom, according to 1 Samuel. In the story there of 1 Samuel is the, the lady Hannah. Hannah was in the temple confessing her woes to God. She was desperate to have a child. And she was barren. She wasn't able to have children. She was just praying and she was confessing. And she says in verse 10 in, in 1 Samuel 1, she said, I, I was crushed. My soul was crushed. And I was just pouring out my heart to God. And God gave her peace. And she went away there knowing that God was with her. He restored her soul. Now, here's the important point about that story. She hadn't received the gift she was hoping for of a new child. That was to happen in some uh, a year's time. But at that moment, she had peace because she confessed her soul and she knew God had given her what she needed. There is nothing more releasing than to pour out your soul before God, to tell him what your problems are rather than carrying them around inside of yourself. So confession is good for the soul. Surrender is good for the soul. To remind ourselves that God is the ultimate, that he is the one that we serve, that we bow our knee to God, that we lift up our hands, we lift up our arms, we, we surrender, say, God, you are amazing. We put our trust in you. 
in, in Philippians 2, Jesus said these things. He said, equality with God was not something that he was looking to achieve. When Jesus came to this earth, he humbled himself as a servant. He came from heaven, but he chose to humble himself. And in Philippians 2, we've got this analogy of humility from the Son of God. And if it's okay for Jesus, we should choose to do the same thing as well, to humble ourselves, to decide to be lower, to be on bended knee before our Father God. Dallas Willard said these words, the indispensable first step in caring for the soul is to place it under God. Confession is good for the soul. Surrender is good for the soul. We're going to cover some more of these in our next teaching series about the practices of unhurry, but we'll talk about that later on. The other thing that's good for your soul is stillness and silence. Stillness and silence are good for your soul. I know these last few weeks where I've been doing this teaching and preparing, I've tried to spend five minutes. I, I have a watch with a time on it. I, I sit in my study at home and I try and be still and silent for five minutes. I'm, I'm a fidget. That's really hard. It's really hard not to pick up my phone and look at something. It's really hard not to let your mind wander. I just try and sit for a few minutes to be still and to be silent in front of God have no agenda, just to rest and be still. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who wrote the book Switch on Your Brain, uh, recommends this idea. She's a Christian neuroscientist and she talks about this idea of taking some time to be quiet, to be still, spending five minutes a day. She says these words, how we think not only affects our own spirit, soul and body, but also the people around us. Or Psalm 62, my soul waits silently for God alone. Or Psalm 37, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people, other people who prosper. Don't worry about others. Don't compare yourself. Just be still and wait patiently. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And that word know there is loaded. Like a child that won't sit still, sometimes we need to speak to our soul and say, be still. In Psalm 131, the writer there says, I've kept my feet on the ground, I've cultivated a quiet life. Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my, my soul is a baby content. Now, I'm sure everyone out there with a small baby will know the best moments when the baby is content and snuggled in. Oh, that our soul would be still like a sleeping baby. Confession is good for the soul. Surrender is good for the soul. Silence and stillness is good for the soul. And stopping is good for the soul. It's good to stop, to pause, to have a Sabbath, to have a weekend, to have a break, to have times in your day where you stop, to have a lunch time, to spend time away with family and friends on a holiday yearly, to find ways of pausing. We need to learn to accept the soul has limitations to accept that our soul has rhythms it requires. The opposite of that is to be frustrated by our soul and it becomes a soul fatigue. You know those moments when we fill our days, we're so busy trying to put more stuff in and more stuff in and we're just trying to get through on Red Bull and coffee and we don't quite make it. Every day is a challenge we never achieve. We go to the supermarket and we try and join the checkout with the shortest queue and inwardly we're so mad at the other queue that was longer that's now moving faster and you're offended by the person who's your checkout till operator that they're not moving quick enough for your needs. At that point you know your soul isn't still. 
Confession, surrender, stillness, silence and stopping are good for the soul. There's plenty more things you can do, but they are some of them. Isaiah 40 says these words, but those who wait on the Lord, renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As we wrap up, I want to say these things to you as well. It is never too late to get restoration. It is never too late to fully have your soul restored. Jeremiah 30 reminds us he will restore us. Um, This word is a Hebrew word, shub, which means turn back or return us. The land, the fortunes, the health that we once had, or in Joel 2, this idea that he will turn the, the years that have been stolen from us. Restore the years. God will restore to you what you have lost when you reconnect with him. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. As we drink from God, as we confess and surrender and be still and be silent and stop, he will restore our soul. Your soul needs to be connected to the source, God himself. A healthy soul is a soul that is connected to God. Your soul cannot live in isolation. It needs to be connected to God. We'll cover some more of that next week. But I want to finish with these words from Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew or restore a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I believe the restored souls are joyful souls. It takes us back to the original point of knowing that we are saved, that we are free and we are whole. A restored soul is a joyful soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God is the restorer of souls. God is the source. God is the maker of your soul. And you and I, we are the keepers of our soul. And we choose what we do with what God has given to us. Let me pray for us as we grapple with this idea of our souls being restored. Lord God, I thank you that you are the originator of every single one of us, that you breathed us into being. You love us the way we are, whether we make any change or not, you love us completely. Lord, thank you for your kindness and for your grace. Lord, we thank you that you are the source creator of our soul. You are the soul creator. You're the soul maker. Lord, may we return to you, to reconnect you, to find health in you. Help us find ways to pause, to be still, to be silent, to choose to reconnect. Lord, thank you that you know what is best for us, that you know what is needed for each one of our souls. We put our trust in you today, God. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.